1: Good morning, Broncos fans. How nice is it to not have to intro this show with living in a world of suck? <laughs> it's finally, finally a win, a nice team win on the road against a divisional opponent. Yes, you know, in the end, you know, one in four is still not great, and wins might actually be a bad thing at this point, but that aside, It always feels good to win. It always feels awesome to beat a divisional opponent. And it's just fantastic to see Philip Rivers moan and groan at the end of a game who really just made some boneheaded mistakes. And it's really who Philip Rivers has been. He's he's the guy for for such a long time. And he just makes these boneheaded mistakes. And I think also that Joe Flacco was was. Right along that same line today. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But there's so much good that comes out of this game. There's so much, there's really been so much good that's come out of this season. Now, the record hasn't shown that, and there's been a lot of negativity and, and, and ugliness, and deservedly so. People calling for John Elway's head and calling for Vic Fangio's head even after four games, which is completely ridiculous. But when you have a team that's as respected as the Broncos and a fan base that's as loyal and has won for as long as the Broncos, of course you're going to have people who are upset. And honestly, I've been on Twitter for for this you know the length of the morning for you know a few minutes at least, and I have not seen a whole lot of of Bronco fan comments. Now I've seen the media obviously, but I haven't seen a lot of fans out there. I think they're a little. A little scared to say anything I don't think anyone wants to be too positive because well they're one in four but no one wants to be too negative because well they just won on the road so it's kind of an interesting game it was an interesting finish um, a lot of things again went well there's some players we absolutely need to talk about and comment on and and there's a lot moving forward that I think became a little more clear after this game in LA and, and I think that's absolutely a positive. That's what we have to look for this year in 2019. Unless a miracle happens, this team is not going to win anything big. They're probably not going to end up even near 500. It's a brutal schedule and it just gets tougher. So again, we have to remember each game at a time. It's fantastic to win. I love winning. I always root for this team to win. But let's keep it in perspective that it is still a 1 and 4 team and it still has a really really difficult schedule including two more games or two games against Kansas City who actually did look beatable and were beatable they they got beat on Sunday night by Indianapolis which really surprised me and i imagine pretty much everyone else in the football world Kansas City looks like you know they're not perfect they they're not as solid and round of a team as, as people thought. And, and it's an amazing thing how wide open the AFC is. I mean, it's just, it's not a good uh, conference. There, there, there's just not many great teams. I mean, obviously New England has looked good, but they've had such an easy schedule. It's unbelievable. I really wonder when they play a team that's actually good. I mean, Buffalo gave them a real scare. Buffalo could have and probably should have won that game. So once New England actually has to play a good team, I don't know I mean, Tom Brady has not been great. Their offensive line's banged up. Their defense has been really really good, but it's been against just deplorably bad offenses. So I think New England, we don't know yet, but I think they could be more beatable than they look. Kansas City just got beat. Now, I think they're still their their offense is still incredible, but hey, if Patrick Mahomes is banged up a little bit, watch out, guys. I mean, Denver, you know, if if some things go in their direction, if if some things go right, then you know, maybe there's a little hope creeping into 2019. I mean, dare I say it? I'm a little scared to say it, but it, it's it's actually possible. I mean, there are so many good things you see out of this game. You see the stars starting to shine in Denver. I mean, you really see it. These young kids: Philip Lindsay, Cortland Sutton, for goodness' sake, I mean Dalton Reisner. I mean, you see. I, I'm not a I'm not a guy who really understands offensive lines. I don't really watch them that much, which shows me when I see Dalton Reisner sticking out. And, and to me, it looks like they are calling plays, designing, blocking schemes specifically around Dalton Reisner. Now, someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what I've seen. I That's just my eye test. I have not gone back and looked at the film. This is only after viewing this game once. So everyone, please, whoever's listening to the show, forgive me if I make mistakes. I've only watched it once. I watched it live just like you did. So if I make a mistake. My apologies, but what I saw on the field is Dalton Reisner getting out and making blocks. Yes, he had the one you know play where he got too far upfield, but you know that that happens. I mean, that's I, I don't mind that kind of mistake. That's a guy trying to be aggressive, just got a little bit too far ahead. But he he just he's got it you know he just has it you see him all over the field and for an offensive lineman that's pretty cool I mean and then to add on again Lindsay and Sutton they just look so good and, and that's not even talking about Freeman who's really been so solid he just consistently gets you know nice yardage when they need it he's that power back right next to Philip Lindsay who looks so good so quick I mean what more can you say Obviously Emmanuel Sanders didn't have a big game, but he didn't need to. How good is that? When I think your key piece on the offense didn't have to be the key piece. Now, we'll talk again about that later. Why I think that he didn't, you know, he didn't have a great game, but, but look at just the attempts from Joe Flacco. And Joe Flacco only had 20 attempts. Now, when you consider that compared to Phillip Rivers, who had 48 attempts, it really sticks out. He had much less than half of the attempts of Phillip River. So you see what this team is trying to become, and it makes a lot of sense because their skills fit what they're trying to do right now. Scangarello is saying, look, okay, we don't have a great pass-protecting offensive line. Our quarterback is not able to get out of the pocket, so let's just run the heck out of the ball, and it's working, and, and they've had a couple. Flacco, to his credit, has made a couple big-time throws. You now, he's made a couple really big bad time throws and we'll again talk about the bad of Flacco a little bit later but the offense is really starting to come together and it's starting to show what they want to be and the defense did too for goodness sake you know the defense gave up that that late touchdown but you know they 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 only gave up excuse me they they didn't give up a touchdown they gave up two two field goals I the touchdown was on the kick return My, my apologies right it was it was just a a really solid game all around from a defense that just lost its one of its top players in Bradley Chubb and so for 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 the other players to come in and pick up where where they left off and pick up and actually probably have their best game of the year without one of their best players, that's huge. I mean, some of these guys really, really showed up. I mean, you got to mention Alexander Johnson. This guy came out of nowhere, really. I mean, he's been on the practice squad, I believe, for, for most of the season. Now comes in and gets the start next to Todd Davis and really showed up. I mean, the guy had an interception. He had six tackles, three assists. He should have had two interceptions. I mean, he had a huge impact on the game. And that's boy, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, is that what we need in the in that position. I mean, a guy who can cover, who can who has the instincts down the field, and boy, in this one game, he showed it. So Johnson, absolutely someone to look out for. Someone that we should hope is right alongside Todd Davis for the rest of the season. Even when Jewel comes back. Joel can come in maybe on first down, but put Johnson out there on passing downs. At least according to one game, he deserves it. Todd Davis, he he's Todd Davis. You know, I think he's still He's just not great covering. I mean, you just see Eckler get, get open time after time. And I don't know. It's not always Todd Davis. I'm not sure who it is every time, but eventually you got to start saying, okay, this is going on the, on the linebackers. I think that's typically the case, the inside linebackers and Davis has just never been able to show that he can cover these guys. I mean, again, tell me I'm wrong, but you know, he does what he does. He, he, he still makes some plays and he, you know, he had seven tackles in the game. Um, the other guys who showed up, Kareem Jackson just balled out. How how big was that forced fumble on Eckler at, at the end of the of the first half? I mean, that was the play of the game, no question about it. Um, forced the ball out, kept them from scoring. I don't. I, if I'm the Chargers, I kick a field goal there, but that's just me. It was seventeen nothing. The Broncos kept it seventeen nothing. Uh, after that, just huge play by Kareem Jackson, probably the play of the year for the Broncos. Um, big-time hustle play, put his head you know, or shoulder on the nose of the ball. Just can't say enough about it. And Jackson was absolutely everywhere. He's coming off a bit of an injury as well, and and he showed that veteran leadership, that veteran grit, that, that coming down and just hitting people, that is what this team needs, and it needs it in spades. And they got it. They got it from him, and I think his leadership showed up and, and, and showed the rest of the team – you know how to play. And another guy who who really didn't really show up on the on the you know the stat sheet, but who absolutely impacted the game was Purcell. Purcell came in in place of Gottes sat, who he, unfortunately he's really not been good this year. And Purcell just looks like a bigger body. He he really showed in the run game and just clogged holes. He was a guy who even when he wasn't making the tackle, he was getting his hands on guys and getting his hands on the running back, and and it made a huge difference. So Purcell absolutely deserves credit. He should absolutely be in the lineup from now on. I thought that the run the run defense looked much better this week than they have for, you know, really the whole season, obviously better than they did um, last week against Jacksonville. Um, other guys to, to mention, um, you know, on the defense, we already mentioned Purcell, Jackson, Johnson, um, Von Miller had an impact, obviously too. He didn't really show up on the on the stat sheet again, but he he's just always there. You know, he's always hectic. He's causing problems, and it's something you just you just have to to love to watch. He's a guy that he's just not going anywhere. I know there's been rumors. Jason LaCanfora, who's really never right about anything, <laughs> he commented that the Broncos are are. Here, you know, listening to trade deals or thinking about it, and Von Miller may be one of the players, and I just can't see it. It doesn't make any sense. He is a Bronco, and if you trade him, you take a huge cap hit. It just does there's no sense in it. There's no reason why you would trade Von Miller. Now, a couple of the other guys, yeah. I've I've been promoting that for a while with Sanders, Harris Jr. and maybe Wolf. Now that they won a game, it's gonna be a little bit harder, obviously. If they were 0-5, I think you see probably a fire sale, at least on those three guys. Now that they won, I don't know. I still think you should trade Sanders, but I I get it. I understand why you keep him. Um, But I don't think you need... I don't know. It's a hard call. I don't know if you need this veteran leadership now. I think Sutton has become the player he's going to be. I think he's proven to be a, a top number one receiver who's going to make the plays you need him to make. Sanders is going to be gone anyway. I still think you try to trade Sanders for sure. Harris Jr., you probably keep... I don't know if anyone's going to be given you much for him um he's an he's an aging cornerback even though heck you know he just he just held the top get this and, and and you know people give Harris Jr a lot of crap and i've heard some people saying that he hasn't been getting his nose dirty getting in there getting tackles and i can't really speak much to that but when the top receiver in the NFL per yardage comes in at home with a good quarterback and has uh, four receptions for 18 yards, no touchdowns, a long of 10 yards. That is one heck of a day. So I don't even want to really mention about trading Chris Harris Jr. He doesn't deserve it. He hasn't earned it, and he's a guy that I—I I mean, I've hoped for for his whole career that he stays in Denver, and I—I I still believe that would be the best thing. Now Wolf and Sanders, I think they're gone anyway, so I think that they're okay. I'm okay with trading them for their sake as well as for the Broncos, of course. Um, I, I think Harris Jr., he's just a guy. I, I hope he stays. And I, I think maybe he's going to leave anyway. But I think these guys, I think they see something in this team. I think they see something in their coaches. And I think they know they're better than their record. They really, really could be 3-2 and two right now. There, there's no question about it. And we can moan and groan as much as we like. And it's not going to come back. No one feels sorry for us. I get it. But you can say that. they, they They've definitely outplayed their record. There's no doubt about it. They've got pieces on this team that can absolutely make a difference and that next year even, I think, can, can take that next step to being great. So if Harris Jr. is one of those pieces, which I absolutely believe he can be if he sticks around, then keep him, trade Sanders, and Wolf. Now, up next, I'm going to send it over to Skipper Dude, who's going to give his impressions on this big victory. And after that, we're going to talk about just why I think that Joe Flacco is working his way out of the team and out of a job with the Broncos and so is one other player on the team but we'll talk about that after the Skipper Dude which starts after
2: this quick break Anatomy of an ad Subconsciously trigger emotions through music Perfect
1: Define an opportunity
2: Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now
0: Identify a problem
2: Creating an audio ad is time-consuming
1: Offer a solution
2: Utilize cutting-edge AI
0: Thanks as always, Kevin. So here we come, baby. Here come the Denver Broncos. Watch out, Tennessee. Watch out, Patrick Mahomes. Here we come. Oh, my goodness. Broncos country, it is just tearing my heart out right now. They are, we are two plays, two plays plays from being three and two on the season and right in the playoff hunt. If Bradley Chubb doesn't get called for his bogus, terrible, awful roughing the passer call against the Bears, and Joe Flacco doesn't float that interception pass against Jacksonville, this season is a totally different story than what we're seeing today. But for those of us who are ready to write this season off and start blowing up the veteran core, guys like Chris Harris Jr. and Emmanuel Sanders and Derek Wolf, and perhaps even Von Miller, well, we're going to need to wait for a couple more weeks at least, because suddenly, the 2019 season, which looked to be dead a couple weeks ago, well... Ooh, look who knows so much, huh? Well, it just so happens that your friend here is only mostly dead. So, first, before we take a look at just how alive this season is, I do feel... The need to, to start with some criticism of Vic Fangio and the coaching staff. If you're a regular listener to Broncos and Browers, you know that I'm one of Vic Fangio's biggest fans. And I really believe that he's going to bring this Denver Broncos organization to some high heights over time. And I've been catching his back week after week through four weeks of losing football. So it probably makes sense that I'd offer my first real tangible criticism of him after the Broncos' first win of the year. So here it goes. As fans, we had a pretty good idea that Shelby Harris is not a zero-tech nose tackle. And opposing offenses were going to push the defensive line around until you slid Harris to one or three-tech Away from over center and give Mike Purcell a chance at the nose. We especially saw that in the Chicago game. We pretty well knew that Alexander Johnson was a better option to back up Todd Davis than Corey Nelson. And going back a couple of games, we could see that Devontae Bosby was going to be a better cornerback too than Isaac Yottam. So why couldn't the coaching staff see? What we saw. And if they had made even one of these changes early on, maybe we'd be looking at three and two right now and in the thick of the playoff hunt rather than one and four and still on the outside looking in. Oh well, I suppose today's not a day to lament, but rather to celebrate. So, First things first, I don't want to get overly ambitious and start entertaining thoughts that the Broncos can make the playoffs this year. At 1-4, and we need to finish 8-3 and over our next 11 games to even have a mathematical chance, and that's against a brutal schedule. It still includes road games in Kansas City, Minnesota, Houston, Indianapolis, and Buffalo. Ouch. I suppose if we win the next two games at home against Tennessee and then at Kansas City, We could perhaps start to have the discussion but honestly i'm not holding my breath but much more importantly right now is the team's trajectory if you track this team through the 2019 season so far the raider game week one was awful pretty much a practice pancake for a team that was learning a brand new system on both sides of the football week two against the better the bears was better but still a game where there was no real spark especially on offense Week three was better again, a very solid game in Green Bay against the legitimate Super Bowl contenders in the Packers and a game that the Broncos were just a couple key mistakes away from potentially winning. Week four then improved even more for the first 20 minutes, then the momentum shifted and things fell apart. But then finally week five against the Chargers, the Broncos played an extremely solid game on both sides of the football against a preseason football favorite, but granted, of course, a team that's wracked by injuries as they seem to be every year. So, with the exception of the second half against Jacksonville, the Broncos have been on an upward trajectory for the entire season. And I think you have to ask yourself, how high will this team go before it finally levels off? Now, before I answer that question, think back for a moment to Week 5 of the 2018 season. After Week 5, the Broncos were actually 2-3, and three, so they were a game better than they are this year. But week five was that embarrassing game in New York against the Jets, where we not only lost 34-16, to 16, but gave up 323 yards rushing, and you can see the team starting to quit on its coaches. Joe Woods wasn't capable as a defensive coordinator. In fact, he started hearing stories about players snickering at him. Bill Musgrave was a terrible offensive coordinator, and of course, Vance Joseph was in over his head. And the players knew it, and the Broncos country knew it. So this team, despite its 1-4 record, is an entirely different beast. On Sunday morning, a story, a story came out from Jason La- La Conforta of, of CBS Sports that John Elway was considering a fire sale and would start listening to offers for guys like Chris Harris Jr., Emmanuel Sanders, Derek Wolf, and even Vaughn Miller. Now, Ian Rappaport from NFL Media came out later Sunday and said that Vaughn is not on the trading block. And, and I know... Kevin and I both have been of the opinion that once this season is officially over, as far as the playoff goes, assuming it goes that way, and things go from mostly dead to all dead, then we'd both like to see these guys treated right and given a chance at another ring somewhere. But watching Sunday's game in L.A., it seemed obvious to me, especially with Vaughn and Chris Harris Jr., that these guys are bought into this system, and they want to win here, and they think they can win here. So can they? If you're talking about the playoffs, then I think the answer is almost definitely not, at least not this year. But hey, it's the NFL, and there's a very winnable game next week against Tennessee, and then you'll have... You'll be taking the same defensive genius, Vic Fangio, who figured out how to shut down Sean McVay and Jared Goff last year and see if he can figure out Patrick Mahomes. Will he? Boy, it's tough to think he will, but if, if perhaps he will. And if things go to 3-4 and four and the Broncos are still trending up, then maybe we can even start to talk about the playoffs.
1: Kevin, back to you. Big thanks, as always, to the Skipper dude. Some good thoughts there. Some, as always, positivity. He, he is maybe the most optimistic person I know, but I like it. That's what we want to be. And I think he's right. I mean, it's it because they won this, it does make things a little more up in the air for what they should do. Should they have a fire sale? Should they sell a few? I think it really comes down to... You trade guys if you get the right offer. you don't trade Miller, you probably don't trade Harris, but if something comes in that's just really good for Sanders or Wolf, you go for it because the odds of winning this year are not very good now. I understand if you feel like, hey, look, you know we were really close. We're only a few plays this year from from really having pushed the envelope to being a great team or a good team. but I mean, I just don't see it. You still got you got Flacco, you've got bowls at your left tackle, you got Chubb injured it's not going to be a winning year. The schedule is too hard. It's just too hard. So I don't see this as being a winning year, but that's okay again. I don't mean that as being just purely negative. I don't want to be a down in the dumps week. They just won, but it is an interesting week. The Broncos are going to have to decide what they want to do. What What is their, what's their strategy? And I, I know Elway doesn't like to rebuild. He doesn't like the word rebuild, but he's slowly been in one, like like I said last week in my article. That I mean, you can kind of tell there is turnover on this team. There is a rebuild happening. It's just been really, really, really kind of under wraps. Now, big reason why you can't tell it's a rebuild is because they keep bringing in band aid quarterbacks like like Joe Flacco and like Case Keenum. And I know most people are going to be like, "Hey, Kevin, you know, don't rag on Flacco because you know they just won." Okay, yeah, I, I know they just won, but joe flacco he he makes so many unclutch plays like like he when he's in the middle of the field or from the from in in between the 20s he can sling it and he looks solid and he dumps it off all the time i mean what the wide receivers had eight targets yesterday um he's great at getting sutton the ball and sutton running 70 yards um yeah, you know, you, you you can't, and I, it's not only on Flacco, I know this, it's not only on Flacco, but he consistently runs into these big, really, really momentous, game-changing mistakes, and he's done it nearly every week, and he did it again in this game. The fumble in the red zone, the interception in the, Bron- in, deep, deep in Broncos territory. Yeah, it was tipped, and yes, Bowles couldn't block, you know, worth half a crap, but it's still on Flacco. Flacco's got to feel that pressure on that fumble. He's got to, you know, he's got to know that this this quick pass, yeah, that's that's just some bad luck. But it's still an interception. It's still on him, you know. The the, the sack that that backed up the field goal that that um, McManus ended up missing. That was on Flacco. You can't take a sack there. Now, yes, I know the offensive line is a big problem, but my main point is that I think this offense is getting close. And I think that the scheme often really works. And I think that they do change things. I think that they change things to try to fit their players. I fully believe that. For example, again, this is only after watching the game once. So please, someone go and tell me if I'm wrong. But in the second half, I noticed Flacco either rolled right or moved right on almost every single passing play. Which tells me they have zero faith in Garrett Bowles. Zero. Zero. It's either Flacco or Scangarello, probably both, and they're both saying, "Okay, Bowles is going to get me killed, and he's going to get us. You're just going to turn the ball over again because I can't protect my blind side." So they say, "Okay, let's roll to the right." Now the problem with this is Flacco cannot roll; he's too slow. Things take—I mean, when he, as soon as he turns around and moves, the play is already developed. He's too slow. Joe Flacco is too immobile to run a rollout. It's just, I mean, again, tell me I'm wrong. This is what I'm seeing. I'm not a quarterback genius, you know, but this is what I am seeing with my eyes on the field, that Joe Flacco is too slow to run a bootleg or to run any sort of play-action rollout. And, yeah, I think he gained, what, 13 yards on the ground, which is pretty good, actually, for Joe Flacco. Let me see. What did he gain on the ground? Flacco gained seven yards. Three attempts, seven yards. Hey, pretty good for a guy who runs slower than a, you know, what do they call an iceberg, right? Um, Yeah, the the good thing is, though, and I don't want to just rag on him because this is a win. The the good thing is, I really firmly believe this offense would be better with Drew Locke. Now, are they going to win more? I don't know. Are they going to make more mistakes? Yeah, probably. Is Drew Locke going to be the guy who's gonna win things? I don't know. I don't know. But his skill set matches what this team needs more. They need a guy who can move in the pocket. You're only look, Flacco just passed the ball 20 times, and you know what? He almost cost the team the game. He did with the offensive line, yes, but he made three really, really, really critical mistakes. We we, we got to stop saying oh you know Kevin geez don't don't blame Joe Flacco yeah yeah I mean he's not been great guys I mean it's been week after week and I get a lot of crap with the the mile Harry Port staff that's saying you know that I'm going to get I'm going to get trashed by the fans for blaming it on Flacco and he's just not the guy now they won he did his job but he almost cost the game almost single handedly I I mean I will say that without feeling bad about it that he and Bowles just about cost the game. Fortunately, the defense was spectacular. Thank goodness. But once Drew Lock gets back, I hope that's not even a question. I mean, I didn't really mean it. Even if the Broncos go and win four in a row right now, which I think the odds are very very slim. But even if they go and win four in a row, I think Drew Lock has to take over. I think he's a better fit in the offense unless Joe Flacco suddenly gets, you know, another another leg or two new legs that can make him run faster than 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 my grandmother then i think drew Locke's better in the offense and he's got you got to give him a shot so i really hope that's the case even if the broncos win four in a row i'm saying it right now mark it down mark it down i'll take the crap if i'm wrong if the broncos win every single game and they're in contention i still think drew Locke should play And I will fall on that sword and die on it every single time. (laughs) Anyway, still, the Broncos won, thank goodness. The running game was great. I mean, in general, there are a lot of things to like. The other guy who I think absolutely lost his job is obviously Garrett Bowles. Now, I think that the coaches have really tried. They've hoped. They say, hey, this might be the guy. Come on. When you're changing a scheme, when when you're a quarterback who can't run, it has to roll to the right every single passing play just so that you're you know, crappy blocking doesn't get him killed, you got to go. Now, maybe it's not this season, but there's no way in heck the guy is going to be here next year. No way. I would get him out. I'd get him out. That, that, that has to be a detriment, not just to your quarterback, to the entire team. When one guy is changing a scheme much to the worst, I mean, look how the offense looked in the third quarter because Flacco rolled to the right and things took too long to to open up because he's too slow. Look at the tape again. I can't wait to. Th- I, I want to talk this over with Joe Rolls because Joe, Joe is just so good at watching tape and, and pointing things out. And I, I really would love to hear his opinion on this. And unfortunately, everyone's still asleep in America. So I have to put this out on my own, my own uh, weak knowledge, I suppose. But it's what I'm seeing. Bowles has got to go, Flacco's got to go. Or you bring in a great left tackle and Flacco stays. I mean that would probably work. If Flacco is in a, in a in a scheme where he can stay in the pocket and let his receivers get open, then it works. He doesn't work when it's a bad offensive line. It doesn't work together, guys. So what's the point? Either you go and get Trent Williams and run with Flacco, or you stay with Joe, or you stay with Garrett Bowles and you run with Drew Lock. That's how it's got to be. It can't be both. This is the problem. This is why they keep losing. Flacco makes one or two big mistakes in the game, and he can't roll out. That's a big part of this offense. Bootlegs, naked bootlegs, play-action fakes, play-action rollout. He's too slow. And Garrett Bowles got to go. I know everyone's saying it. It's not anything new. But it just stuck out again this week, and I don't think that's going to be something that changes. I do also want to say that I'm really happy to hear that um, Devontae Bosby is back and traveling with the team. He had to go to the hospital after a really serious hit he took from his own teammate, unfortunately. um, Down on the field, I mean, really scary, obviously. I mean, just terrifying. And fortunately, he is back with the team and looks to be fairly okay. I'm sure he'll be in concussion protocol all week. We don't know if he'll play next week. I hope he does. The guy has been a game changer. Yadam is just not going to get the job done. He's a lot like Bowles; that they just make the same mistakes over and over and over. And and those are the type of guys you just can't you can't keep you can't keep them. I mean, eventually you got to say, "Yep, this guy's not going to learn," you know. And that's unfortunate, but it is how it is. It's it's like in any company, you give guys breaks. You say, "Hey, look, you know." We're gonna one mistake, okay. Two mistakes, okay. Ten mistakes, okay. Fifty mistakes, okay. Yeah, and it's the same mistake, and it's Yadam and Bowles, and eventually you just gotta say you gotta cut bait and you gotta you gotta bring someone else in. I don't even care who it is, really. I, I mean, even if it's someone who's really who who was the guy? Uh, there was a guy during the preseason for the Broncos who was was really terrible um, at left tackle. Oh man, I, I Rogers. I think something Rogers. Um, and he was bad, but I would bring him in because at least you can at least hope you can train him. Bowles is done. You can't train him. He's proven that. He's had how many coaches now? They can't train him. They've got the best offensive line coach in football. He can't fix it, guys. Bowls has got to go. And I know that I'm. I'm. I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but I've got to say it. I've got to say it. Next week, the Broncos are facing Tennessee, who is a really odd team i I really can't place tennessee before this year i I did a a series of videos um called the footballogist you can find that on youtube and actually i had some really good predictions so far i've been really dead on my weekly bets have not been great this week was much better we we bet every game against the spread you can find that at milehighreport.com on thursdays um the weekly ones haven't been that great because, yeah, you know, NFL is impossible to predict scores and who's going to actually cover, et cetera. That Vegas, you see, why Vegas makes a lot of money. But before the year, I actually had a lot of really good takes. I think, and I think part of it was saying, you know, the the NFC North is the best division in football. They have four really good defenses. Um, and one of the takes in this show was that Tennessee is is an impossible team to bet for the season and each week because. They're the most whelming team in history, maybe. I mean, they've gone, I think, three seasons, maybe four seasons, at nine and seven. That's who they are. I mean, they, they are nine and seven. that like the epitome of nine and seven. You you Google nine and seven, and it shows the Tennessee Titans. That's who they are. And some weeks they show up and they're great, and Derrick Henry runs for three hundred yards. And some weeks they 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 just are trash, and it's really hard to predict which is which. Um, so. I don't really know what to expect from this game. I think the Broncos are at least as talented as Tennessee. I think Joe Flacco is better than Marcus Mariota. Um, or can be at least if he if he gets blocking. Um, I think the Broncos have... I think they're starting to find a rhythm. And I think eventually these brutal mistakes and these terrible bounces and bad luck, they start to go in your direction. They have to. And you saw that a little bit this week. The things started to slowly move back towards us and started to to you know balance out a little bit and that's just how things go that's how sports work they don't you can't be unlucky forever I mean the Broncos have been really unlucky but it's not going to be forever and I think that you're going to see that this week against Tennessee it should be a should be a game they win and absolutely should be a game they win now will they win I don't know Tennessee is impossible to predict but it's in Denver Denver's looking for their first home win of the year. They've had two really really tough losses. Um I I think this is a game Broncos can win. I I really do. Um and strangely enough, I'm looking at I'm looking at the the games right now. Oh no, actually no, that's not true. I was going to say it's one of two um afternoon games like this week, but it's it's actually one of four. I think it's week 7 where there's only two afternoon games. It's unfortunate for me because it's it's really late. It starts at 10:30 and that's a little past my bedtime, so we'll see if I watch. I'm not sure. Uh, right now, the Broncos are favored at two and a half, which means the Titans are actually kind of liked as the better team. The home team almost always gets um, three points unless, of course, you're playing in in L.A. Um, Broncos and Titans, yeah, Broncos are favored two and a half. Uh, you know, it's a hard game. Again, it's hard to predict. I think the Broncos coaching staff's good. I think Vrabel in Tennessee has been solid. He's another defensive coach. Tennessee, their defense, you know, they 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 show up sometimes and then sometimes they don't. I mean, I someone please tell me what to think of this team. I mean, honestly, I'm not entirely sure. Um, let's look a little bit at the the Titans defense here. Um taking this info from CBS Sports. Um Interesting. So I know San Francisco hasn't played all their games, but they're actually the leading defense right now. Who knew that? Denver is in the top 10 on defense. They're the sixth rated defense right now. Where is Tennessee? I, I know I should have done this before. Oh, there's Tennessee right in the middle. Yeah, see, they're right in the middle on, on defense. They're right in the middle on offense. They're they're, they're just so bleh. I, I don't know what to think of them. No, I, actually, I, that's wrong. Tennessee's at the bottom of offense. They have, they're have they averaging 307 yards per game. Only below them is Washington, Pittsburgh, and Chicago. Interesting. I think Denver wins. Um, I think 2.5 is definitely not enough. I think Denver is at least as talented of a team. I think they're just as well coached. There's just no reason to believe that Tennessee should come in and win. Now, if the Broncos win, this is what gets interesting again. If they're 2-4. and four, you, You're starting to see a swing. Now... Yeah, what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> it's you know, it's I don't know. It, I almost hope they don't win because again, you start to get into such an issue that if you get to be like three and five or four and four, and you still have a brutal schedule, you know, is it good or is it bad? I mean, they're they're at home against Tennessee, at home against Kansas City. Kansas City looks beatable, and the, the Broncos have played them really well in the last few years, even with even with our, our coaching staff we had. Um, but then it's at Indy and then at home against Cleveland, and that's rough. And then you have a bye, and it's at Minnesota, at Buffalo, at home against the Chargers, at Houston, at KC, versus Detroit, versus Oakland. There is not an easy game. Honestly, there's not even an in-between game besides Tennessee. Tennessee is the last game where I'd say this is a game the Broncos should win. But tell me another one where the Broncos are going to be favored. I mean, Kansas City at home, no. At Indianapolis, no. At home against Cleveland, no. Cleveland's more talented. At Minnesota, definitely not. At Buffalo, no. At home against the Chargers, eh, that might be one they might be favored. They might be favored in that one. At Houston, no. At Kansas City, no. At home against Detroit, okay, maybe. And then at home against Oakland. Oakland just beat Chicago in London. Oakland is 3-2. and two. You know, I, this is a hard thing with Oakland that, that before, when I did this, this show, the footballist, I originally had Oakland as being the team that's going to show up this year and show that John Gruden is, you know, a really good coach and they're going to, they're going to play really well. And then I started looking into things and I, I overthought it and said, they're going to be terrible. And I wish I'd stuck with the fact that Gruden, he's odd. He has his own way, but I think he's a good coach. I think players play for him. I think he he has a good idea of, of how to build a team, and, and we're seeing it right now. And weirdly enough, I think you're going to start to see that Oakland is is not only have a, having a better record than the Chargers, but they're a better team than the Chargers. And that is something I absolutely got wrong to start the year, and I imagine most people did too. And Oakland going into to Vegas next year, they're a couple moves away from being a pretty scary team. They've got some real talent. And you add you add a, a wide receiver, which they hope they had in Antonio Brown. If you add one in this offseason again and hope you get it right, watch out for Oakland. They, they could be there for a while. And, and I think the team that looks like they may be going down is is the LA Chargers because they just never, ever can put it together. They're never healthy enough. They always make mistakes. And and Rivers is unfortunately, because I like the guy, I he's going to go down as one of the the you know, the the guys who didn't win, you know, talented, but couldn't put it all together, choked when it mattered the most. And that's who he's going to be. And I I imagine most Broncos fans are not too brokenhearted about that. Anyway, what a week, uh, besides Oakland winning, it was awesome. Kansas city lost Oakland won, but Sandy or excuse me, LA obviously got beat by Denver. Um, it was good all around good team win. Um, the only thing I'd like to see is a more mobile quarterback and a brand new left tackle. I don't even care if you put, I don't know, Fred Brown. Put Fred Brown over at left tackle. You know, he at least will get in the way, right? <laughs> Could it be worse right now than Garrett Bowles? I think not. Anyway, that's all I've got for today. I'm really excited about next week. I, I think they can beat Tennessee. I think this is the last game where I, I might predict them to win in a while. So enjoy it while it lasts. Enjoy the win. And always remember that this season is about building. It's about looking for the future. And no matter what happens against Tennessee, this team is moving in the right direction. I'm Kevin Gilligan. This has been the Broncos and Bratwurst Podcast. Until next week, Broncos fans, take it easy.
2: Mm, Don't fall asleep.